Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Unsunday Show. My name is Mike Adams, and I'm your host for the Unsunday Show, former pastor, one who has left the institutional church setting, not because I've left Jesus or that I've left the faith, but I just have found a a better expression, I think, a more authentic expression outside of those four walls of what Christianity is and of what community is in Christ. And I realize that's not for everybody, and I'm not trying to make it for everybody. I'm not into cookie-cutter Christianity, and I realize that everyone's on a different journey, and this is the journey that I'm on, and I wanted to create a podcast to be able to talk about it specifically and to be able to flesh out ideas specifically related to my experiences in the institutional church and my coming out of the institutional church setting. So if that's something that describes you or if that's something that you can relate to on some level, then I invite you into this conversation with me. And if you are a pastor in an institutional church setting, I welcome you as well. Glad you're here. And I guess for you, this entire podcast that I've put together would be for the purpose of asking you to reconsider why we do what we do within much of the institutional church model, and to maybe consider that there is a more authentic expression of Christ's ecclesia outside of that institutional religious setting. So for both of you, welcome, and I'm glad you're here with me. Hey, I came across a book that I bought uh, recently. This book was actually published in 2008, and I remember seeing it back in 2008. Of course, I was still a pastor at that time in an institutional church setting, and when I saw this book come out, the title interested me, and I do remember seeing it. I'd, I'd never read it back then because it was a little foreign to my own thinking, but my own thinking on this issue has changed so much that now this book is a real gem to me, and so I, I went ahead and bought it. And the name of the book is A Church Building Every Half Mile by John Zenz. So I picked this thing up finally uh, a couple weeks ago and, and read it. And man, what a gem this thing is. And I thought what I'd do in this episode and maybe in the next couple of episodes is just interact with some of the stuff that John Zenz mentions in this book, which I think are spot on, and just interact with those and talk about those and see where the conversation takes us. Again, the title of the book is A Church Building Every Half Mile, and I'll make note of that. I'll be sure to make note of that in the episode notes, or the notes for this episode, so you have that information as well. And again, it's by John Zenz. One of the things that really amazed me about this as I began to read it is how he is saying the same things that I've said, using a little different words, but some of the things that he points out, specifically in his book, which I think he does a great job of pointing those out, is really close to things that I've mentioned on this podcast already and to some of the links that I've put to my own blogs on different episodes in this podcast. And so, you know, I remember we talked about the centrality of the pulpit. You know, why is there a pulpit and the centrality of the pulpit, the centrality of the pastor in a previous episode? And I put links on those episodes to some blogs that I had written about that same thing. Well, then I open up this book, and I see that I see that he is talking about the centrality of the pulpit, the centrality of the pastor. I'm thinking, man, that's kind of amazing. Turns out I'm not alone. <laughs> Turns out I'm not all that weird either. Well, maybe I am a little bit weird, but 
That's to be expected, I guess. But let's talk about a couple things in here. In uh, section four of this book, which is on page 33, section four is entitled, Why Does Everything Hinge on the Pastor? And he makes this statement in there. He says, quote, The traditional role of the pastor or the minister provides the central means of upholding and proclaiming whatever it is that sets the group apart from others. What is the obvious focus of the church buildings we've been discussing? The architecture, seating, and acoustics of the building all center on the pulpit, where the special person delivers a monologue at specified times. End of quote. Wow, isn't that the truth? You know, we we all have, in our different institutions, we have things set up in such a way that set us apart from the other institutions. But the thing that's common in all of our institutional religious settings is the centrality of the pulpit and ultimately the centrality of the pastor and of the pastor's monologue of the lecture that we get on Sundays, you know, the 30 to 45 to an hour-long lecture, you know, whatever the setting is. But that's center. That's like that's like the pinnacle of the week, pinnacle of the religious week. So I have to agree with what Zenz writes there completely. But then he continues with this on the very same page. He says, quote, When individuals start chatting, they often ask each other, What church do you attend? This question is excuse me, this question actually implies a point of geography. Where is the building located? Usually the next question immediately follows on the heels of the first who is the pastor? People don't ask, do the people love one another, or are they carrying fellowship? Instead, they instinctively ask, who is the leader, and who is the preacher? End of quote. And man, that is true. I mean, we've institutionalized the pastor to the point that he owns the church, in a sense. We don't usually catch ourselves saying this, but in referring to the pastor, let's say the pastor's name is John just because that's kind of a generic one-syllable name. So let's say the pastor's name is John. And in the course of talking about a church or talking about where people are finding community, someone will inevitably say, myself included, oh, that's John's church. Oh, he's going over there to John's church. John's the leader. John's the pastor. And that's so true that, you know, we've equated John with the church, in the in the physical sense, you know, the physical building, to where sometimes in our conversations, Jesus doesn't even get honorable mention, because in our corporate settings, there's a CEO, and the CEO is the pastor, and he's been institutionalized, and he's kind of the head honcho. Everything depends on him. Zenz continues on the next page, on page 34 of this same book. He quotes the 17th century Puritan John Owen, as saying, quote, On this office, pastor, and the discharge of it, he has laid the whole weight of the order, rule, and edification of his church. End of quote. In other words, everything's on the back of the pastor. Everything's on the pastor's shoulders to bear. And the expectation is that the pastor will bear that and that the pastor, as the lead focal point, will set the direction and see the direction carried out and see it through to the end. While the rest of us, you know, we might volunteer for something occasionally, but we're pretty much just sitting passive and giving money and making sure that the pastor's carrying out all of the vision for the entire group. So unfortunately, John Owen's words, I think, are true, that the pastor's under this heavy load Uh, He carries the whole weight of the church. 
the order, the rule, and the edification of the church. And as I've discussed with you in previous episodes, that didn't happen by accident. That didn't, that didn't occur in a vacuum. That movement to the one-man show within the ecclesia was very intentional in church history. Starting back as early as around 110 AD with Ignatius of Antioch when he said, don't let anyone do anything in the assembly without the bishop present. That it was only the bishop who was authorized to do certain things within the assembly. And if he wasn't there, you know, I guess you just kind of twiddle your fingers and wait for him to show up because he's the head guy and everything depends on him. That model is still with us today. It's been exaggerated. It's been modified. It's, it's, gotten, I believe, worse in many instances and in many ways. But the result is the same, that the pastor, everything depends on the pastor. Everything depends on the pastor being present. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure to put on one person, especially in an assembly in the ecclesia that Paul described in 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen as a body that's not made up of one part, but of many. And that those many parts of the body are to be functioning together within the body for the building up, for the edification, for the building up of the body in love. And when that isn't happening, community stagnates and we lose our perspective of what the body of Christ is because we've got a one man or one woman uh, show or maybe a, you know, a small group of people determining the direction for the whole and I don't get to use my gifts if I'm not in that position. I may get to volunteer. I may get to volunteer my time to do certain things that are needs within the assembly. But what if my spiritual gifts lie elsewhere? What if my spiritual gifts lie in something other than the opportunities that are provided to me to volunteer in some other way? I'm prevented from using my spiritual gifts just by virtue of the fact of the structure. Just the nature of the structure of the institution prevents me from utilizing my spiritual gifts. Yeah, I can volunteer over here, or I can volunteer over there, and I can say, yeah, I volunteered, but if my gifts, again, are elsewhere, I have zero opportunity to use those, and not only do I suffer as an individual because I'm unable to use my spiritual gift, but so do you, because the body is not made up of one, but of many. And when we lose sight of that and we make the body uh, central or centralized on one instead of many, then the rest of us suffer. And the poor pastor suffers as well because he can't handle that kind of pressure for long. Sooner or later, you know, things are going to collapse. Things are going to kind of come crashing down around this individual and there's going to be a crash and burn because you have to be involved, in my opinion, in performance-based Christianity to pull that thing off. And it's performance-based Christianity that's going to cause your demise. It's going to, to uh, cause you to hit a wall of performance and to crash and burn. I know, because that's what happened to me. Zenz continues in this same chapter of his book. And again, I'm reading from his book entitled A Church Building Every One Half Mile. I really recommend this book. And I'll have, a, I'll have an Amazon link for you on these show notes as well. But on the next page, on page 35, Zenz continues with a quote from, from uh, William Barclay, who says this, quote, There is the obvious danger that when a man becomes a professional preacher, he is at least sometimes in the position of having to say something when he really has nothing to say. End of quote. Boy, I can, I can attest to that. I can remember the number of times I had to say something. I had to get up in front of people and say something when I had nothing to say. 
And so I ended up just kind of faking it, you know, fake it till you make it kind of a thing. That was me. That's what I found myself doing is just faking it until I make it because I had nothing to say. I was drained. But it was Sunday or it was, you know, whatever day it was that I was supposed to be up there doing my thing. And even if I didn't feel like doing my thing, I had to do my thing, which meant sometimes I got up there with absolutely nothing to say. So I agree with Barclay's words on that. Uh, You know, that's kind of what that system produces because you have to keep putting out and putting out and putting out and putting out all the time. The whole weight of the thing is on your shoulders. Don't let anything done unless be done unless you're in the room. The whole weight of that uh, lies on you, as Owen said. And I think he said that correctly, just by virtue of the system and the way that the system is, is made up. There is no many members of the body. There's a lot of passive members of the body sitting there passive in the pews, but there's really only one or maybe a handful of active gifts going on, and not in a way that edifies the whole, but in a way that prevents the whole from functioning. In other words, everybody within the body can't function in that setting. In that setting. Zenz continues there on page 35 with a quote from Eugene Peterson when he says this, quote, I don't know of any other profession which it is quite as easy to fake it as in ours, end of quote. Boy, isn't that true? Just, you know, like I mentioned a minute ago, you just kind of fake it till you make it. You never really make it because you're just always faking it. You're always having to, to talk, to have something profound to say just in order to be filling up the space and talking and saying something. I got exhausted doing that. I crashed and burned doing that. I started to see through it, and the fact that I was starting to see through it scared me a little. And it was one of the reasons that I stepped down and stopped doing it, because I saw that, first of all, the body as a as a whole wasn't functioning. It was all centered on the pastor, i.e. me and those with me in, in serving in that role. And... I saw the facade, I saw through it for what it is, that it's a cheap substitute for how the body of Christ should function with many members, not with just one. It doesn't allow for the functioning of many members. Its its whole organizational strata, its whole organizational structure is geared toward the functioning of one or a few, and that's considered successful. Under the heading of It's a Lonely Road, Zenz continues on page 35 of this book by saying this, quote, One reason why so many clergy self-destruct is because of the incredible isolation fostered by their way of life. In the course of my seminary training, it was stated in my hearing on several occasions that pastors must maintain a proper distance from the congregation. They mustn't be chummy with the laity. When you combine the clergy's insane schedule with the aloofness from those in the pew required by the profession— you often end up with a person unable to cultivate meaning relationships, end of quote. And I can reinforce that with my own experience as well. I remember in my training being told that as a pastor, you should never bleed in front of your congregation because they'll view it as a weakness and as a sign of incompetence and that maybe you're not really qualified to be there. And so what you need to do as a professional Christian, as a professional pastor, is find other pastors uh, to, to bleed with. You know, if you start having personal problems or, you know, loneliness or, you know, whatever, that you don't go to the people in your congregation. You go to other pastors in the area and talk to them. You don't ever let that stuff leak out to the people in the congregation that you're over, that you're pastoring, that you're the professional over. 
That's bad for business. Well, what that does is that, again, makes us fake. It makes us plastic. It makes us phony. The people don't see who their pastor really is. And the pastor thinks that the the people around them in their congregation are somehow less than, that can't handle the real you, and that you need to hide yourself from those people in order to put a facade of having it all together when you could be self-destructing on the inside and the people never know it. Folks, that's not, that's not the body of Christ. That's fake and that's phony. But that's what we're trained to do as professional pastors is keep that clergy laity distinction in place where the lowly laity, and I hate that term, we're going to talk about that some more, no doubt, here in future episodes, but where the lowly laity never get to see the real you. They never get to see the real struggles that you're having because you've been, you've been trained, you've been trained professionally to hide it from them and to be fake. So I think Zen's words are spot on. I think he nailed it. I think he nailed it really good. Listen, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to let you go for now. And I do plan on coming back in future episodes and just kind of working through this book. I'm not going to be in any hurry to get through it. I think it's really good stuff. And I want to pick up in Section 5 next time. That's entitled, Why Has Church Become So One-Part Driven? And continue this thought about, you know, the pastor is the cerebellum. The pastor is the head of the corporation. And see where it takes us. I also want to mention that with summer arriving, things are going to get a little bit busy around here for my wife and I. We're, we're about to get uh, invaded by grandchildren here in the next couple of days. And it's going to be busy, busy, busy time through, really through May into June. So I've been trying to post new episodes of this Unsunday show on Thursdays. And I'll keep trying to do that. I don't know if I'm going to succeed. So they may be a little spotty for the next couple of months. They may be here and there, but I will get episodes out as I'm able to. It just may not be weekly for the next couple of months because, again, summer's hitting and things are picking up and it's about to get a lot busier around here. So I'll kind of leave it at that. And if you don't see me posting on every Thursday, no worries. I'm still here and I'm still plugging through this stuff and I'll post as I'm able to and, and as I can. But hey, thanks for joining me in this episode, episode 13 of the Unsunday Show. I want to remind you that you can reach me online at unsunday.com. I have a contact form there that you can fill out and send to me if you want to talk to me, you want to share a little bit of your story with me, you want to ask a question, you know, whatever. Uh, Feel free to go to unsunday.com and fill out that contact form and I'll reply to you as soon as possible. So again, thanks for joining me in this episode. I appreciate it. And until next time, bye.